Doctor Who Short Trips The Shadows of Serenity by Nigel Robinson Read by Nicola Bryant It was night. Standing just outside the TARDIS, the Doctor and Perry found themselves in a barren wasteland of shattered shale and broken boulders. A chill wind whistled through the few straggled patches of vegetation. The number two Renticulus Celluprime has died, the Doctor announced, as if that explained everything. I could have sworn I'd charged it. It'll take some time to reload and then we can be on our way again. So we're stuck here, Perry sighed, and looked around at the place the TARDIS had brought them to. But precisely where is here? I don't know, admitted the Doctor, and then with a mischievous twinkle in his eye he added, Shall we find out? Perry shuddered as she gazed into the shadows and hugged herself for warmth. It's creepy. Like an old, forgotten battlefield. And very probably dangerous as well. Why don't we be sensible for once and just stay in the TARDIS until your renticular, whatever it's called, recharges itself? Nonsense! Where's your spirit of adventure? That same pioneering spirit that made your country great! The Doctor boomed grandly and strode off leaving Perry no alternative but to follow. There was no moon in the sky, but thousands of stars afforded them enough light to see. Perry had never seen so many and of such size and brilliance, not since she'd driven with some of her friends across the wide open plains of Arizona. They're beautiful, she told the doctor. Apparently distracted by something in the distance, he turned around and looked up disinterestedly into the sky. Do you recognize any of the constellations? She asked. Perhaps they could give us an idea of where we are. I thought that might have been Ordinatra Crucis, but the stars are in the wrong configuration. He shook his head and frowned. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. How I wonder what you are. You know, Perry, there's something very peculiar about those stars. Oh, yeah? Like what? I just can't put my finger on it at the moment. Then he abruptly changed the subject. Now, onwards! We have miles to go before we sleep. Directly ahead of them, they could make out what seemed to be a group of ruined buildings. And beyond that, the edge of a forest, whose trees and wild vegetation seemed already to be reclaiming the shattered buildings as their own. On the air, they could hear the distant howls of animals on their nocturnal hunt. Just tell me we're not going in there, Perry said and the doctor smiled and shook his head. Even I would not be foolish enough to venture into an unfamiliar forest in the dead of night. <laughs> we'll be safe enough here. They won't come out of the woods. By now they had reached the ruins. They appeared to have been abandoned years ago, and bindweed and ferns grew between the bricks. The doctor knelt down and examined the outer wall of one of the buildings. You know, Perry, I think you were right when you said this used to be a battlefield. Bullet holes, she noticed. And scorch marks, too. Doctor, don't you think we should get out of this place? The doctor stood up, but didn't reply. He looked around and rubbed his chin thoughtfully. This was some military establishment, he guessed. But why has it been abandoned and left to decay? <sighs> Perry, I'm starting to get a very bad feeling about this. He drew her attention to four large structures a little way off silhouetted against the brightness of the stars. Doctor, what is it? You know where we are, don't you? I only hope I'm wrong, he said. And then he added almost to himself, unfortunately, I rarely am.
they had reached the first of the structures. Like its companions, it was a massive gun turret, towering some 20 metres above them and trained at the stars. As with the ruins nearby, they seemed to have been abandoned years ago and were covered with rust. Now we really are in trouble, the doctor said. Those, Perry, are undoubtedly four of the guns of Malgar. Perry didn't understand, but even in the darkness she could see the worry in the doctor's face. Highly destructive weapons encircling the planetoid Malgar, he told her. Every one of them pointing to the stars, ready to blast an incoming spaceship out of existence. Just one could obliterate an entire Starfleet. Indeed, several have. Many times, in fact. But why? Perry wanted to know. And why have they been abandoned? The Malgarians fear all off-worlders. I've never really understood that heightened paranoia of theirs. People have said they have something of great value which they want to protect. But no one knows what. What I do know, what indeed everyone in this part of the galaxy knows, is that they are a vicious, belligerent species, so brutal that this part of space has been a no-go area for travellers for decades. If they knew we were here, then I seriously doubt that we would get out of here alive. Then why don't we go back to the TARDIS? Perry started to pull the Doctor away from the guns, back towards the ruined buildings and in the direction from which they had come. Suddenly, she froze and sniffed the air. There was something burning. Nervously, she looked towards the furthermost of the guns. A group of three figures were standing there, unmoving, silently watching them. Yet that wasn't where the smell was coming from. Perry turned and glanced nervously back at the building some 30 metres away. Six men emerged from its cover, all clad in black, and each of them holding aloft a burning torch. When they spotted the Doctor and Perry, they advanced menacingly towards them. Perry looked back at the guns. The three watchers had disappeared. They are strangers! They do not belong on Malgar! One of the men cried out. They must be stopped! And the flame from his torch illuminated a vicious-looking scar on his face. There wasn't a moment to lose. The Doctor and Perry turned and ran, heading away from the ruins and towards the trees. The Malgarians yelled and called after them, racing towards them like hunters in pursuit of their prey. In the darkness of the forest, the Doctor and Perry stumbled over tree roots and stones. Branches and brambles scratched their faces. From somewhere close by came the sound of wild beasts, alerted by the cries of the Malgarians and now scenting blood. They broke from the cover of the bush and found themselves in a small clearing. The Doctor searched this way and that, trying to decide which was the best route to take to avoid their pursuers. Perry darted a nervous look behind her. She could see the flames of the hunter's torches and could also make out the glinting eyes of the animals waiting for the feast. The doctor finally chose an exit from the clearing and pulled Perry after him. But it was too late. His way was blocked by the scar-faced man. They were surrounded with no way of escape. The six Malgarians slowly walked towards them, waving their blazing torches threateningly at them. They were humanoid in appearance but their dark, heavy brows and hard, staring eyes gave them a brutish, savage appearance. Perry buried her face in her hands, but the doctor stood defiantly, head held high, and hands imperiously grabbing his coat lapels, trying to make his stand with as much self-confidence as he could muster. There was no escape. They were at the mercy of the Malgarians. The scar-faced man passed his torch to one of his companions and strode up to the doctor till they were facing eye to eye. There was challenge in the doctor's eyes, 
In the scar-faced man's eyes, there seemed hidden menace. You are strangers, he stated flatly, and then added with a mild bewilderment. Why did you run away? The doctor glared curiously at the man, and Perry uncovered her eyes. His tone seemed strangely unthreatening. I am Hess, he said. I repeat, why did you run away? I know the Melgarians, the doctor replied haughtily. Why don't you just go ahead and kill us? Hess frowned. Why would we do that? He asked with genuine surprise. We are here to help you. Now it was the doctor's turn to frown. Help us! Yes, you are strangers here. We saw you near the forest, and we feared the wild beasts living there might harm you and your companion. We came to chase the beasts away. Hess indicated his fellow Malgarians, who had spread out to the edge of the clearing and were waving their lit torches at the animals lurking in the bushes, frightening them away. Perry breathed a sigh of relief and smiled wryly up at her old friend. So, you think you know the Malgarians, do you? She teased. A vicious, warlike species, I believe you called them. Now is not the time to take the high ground, Perry, the doctor said absently as he tried to take in this totally unexpected turn of events. Hess smiled. You are lost, he said. Please let us take you to our village, where you can rest and we can offer you food and drink. The doctor shook his head. They would go back to their spacecraft, he began to tell them. We'd be delighted to come with you, Hess, Perry interrupted and looked up at the doctor. The TARDIS is going nowhere until your gadget fixes itself. And these people seem perfectly pleasant. And besides, where's your spirit of adventure? Then it is settled, Hess smiled. My friends will guide you safely through the forest. It will be good to get to know you. Here on Malgar, we rarely meet space travelers. And why doesn't that surprise me? The doctor asked sarcastically. His words, however, were lost on Hess. Shrugging his shoulders at the inevitability of the situation, the doctor followed Perry and the others out of the clearing and back into the forest. As they finally reached the edge of the forest, Perry looked curiously at their new companions and then turned to the doctor. Either it's my imagination or there's something odd about these people, she said softly so that the others wouldn't hear her. The doctor arched an eyebrow in interest. Indeed, he asked. And what precisely might that be? Well, I didn't notice it at first. And when I did, I thought it might have been some weird effect of the light from the flames, she whispered. There's a sort of faint, uh, well, the only way I can describe it is some kind of aura around each of them. Each one has a different color. It sounds crazy, but... They're glowing, the doctor chuckled loftily. <laughs> I wondered how long it would take you to notice that, he said. It's the effect of microscopic crystals in the air, interacting with the Malgarian's unique biochemistry. Each of the colors reflects that person's mood. Emotions can be seen on Malgar, Perry. What? But that's crazy, she said. But the doctor shook his head. On your planet, perhaps? Even though the concept of an aura is a vital part of several of your world's belief systems, he said. For instance, a pale yellow aura might mean that a person is feeling at peace with himself. Orange, that he is self-assured and overconfident. Heaven knows what color your aura would be. An unsubtle and over-the-top technicolor extravaganza of emotions, maybe. <laughs> you 
you've got room to talk with that coat, Perry quipped back and followed their companions out of the forest. The following morning, the doctor and Perry awoke refreshed in the settlement their new companions had escorted them to. It was one of several homesteads dotted around the planetoid, Hess informed them, just a few domestic buildings set around a central square. Hey, it's not bad, Perry said approvingly as she settled back on a comfy sofa. The doctor shook his head. The Melgarians, they're wrong somehow. Why don't you just admit that it's really you who's wrong, she gently suggested. These people are good. Anyone can see that. She fell silent as a young, fair-haired girl, about her own age, entered the room and shyly introduced herself as Della. She was dressed in a black tunic, similar to those that her fellow Malgarians wore. Around her slim figure, there shimmered a faint canary-yellow aura. She was carrying a platter of vegetables and fresh fruit, and she invited them to eat. The doctor waved aside the offer, but Perry was ravenous. She eagerly bit into a small, melon-shaped fruit. Mmm, it's delicious, she said. Although, what I wouldn't give now for a nice, juicy hamburger. Della raised her eyes inquiringly. Hamburger? Dead cow meat, reposted the doctor dryly. Well, that and other things. A particularly American delicacy. Della smiled, not appreciating the doctor's sarcasm and her aura shifted to a lighter shade of yellow. Then, I am sorry we cannot give you what you want, Perry, she said. We do not eat meat here on Malgar. To eat meat would mean to kill another living creature, and that is something we could never do. After Della had left, the doctor paced about the room, his shadow looming dark and large on the wall. Perry, this is just too good to be true, he said raising his arms in frustration. This is Malgar, the planet they call the Killing World, the place even Daleks or Sontarans would think twice about visiting. Why do they have to be so, so, so... He struggled to find the appropriate word. Nice? Welcoming? Civilized? Perry suggested. Maybe these Malgarians aren't as belligerent as you thought. Perhaps you were wrong. I am never wrong, he replied sulkily. People do change, she said. Maybe they were warlike once and saw the error of their ways. The doctor shook his head. Such things are certainly not unheard of. But a change of such magnitude? No, Perry. There is something wrong here. What has happened to the Mulgarians? Serenity happened. The doctor and Perry turned around. Hess was standing in the doorway, his aura a shimmer of gold. The doctor glanced back at the wall behind them and at his and Perry's shadows in the light of the sun streaming in from the window. Then he turned back to Hess. Serenity? he asked. What do you mean? Hess entered the room and asked permission to sit down, which the doctor gave, all the time watching the man intently. We were once, as you say, doctor, back in the days of the darkness, Hess began. But as your companion also said, we have learned the error of our ways. All life is sacred on Malgar, and we will not kill or go to war, or even hurt another living creature, even if our lives depend upon it. You used to wipe out battle fleets, the doctor reminded him. Are you saying that if an invading army attacked Malgar now, you wouldn't do exactly the same thing? We would not fight them. 
and the guns of Malgar would stay silent. We would let them come and take whatever it is they wanted, Hess said. Take what? the doctor asked. You're pacifists, Perry realized, but the doctor shook his head. Hess said, a generation ago, two sisters of serenity arrived on Malgar. They showed mercy for our warlike ways and offered us solace from our fears and demons. They showed us the way of peace. Then they must be very remarkable people, these sisters, the doctor said. I would very much like to meet them. The way to the Abbey of Serenity is known only to a few, Hess said, and stood up to leave, saying that he would, however, arrange for an escort to take the doctor there. After he left, Perry turned to the doctor. You were right. The Malgarians were who you said they were, after all. But isn't it great they've become pacifists? It's more than that, the doctor corrected her. These people are just incapable of aggression of any sort. But surely that's a good thing, Perry asked. Not necessarily. Every species needs a certain amount of aggression. Without anger, without the will to fight, no race can survive. Well... A world where people don't hurt each other is what I'd call paradise, Perry murmured. In my experience, Perry, there is often a serpent at the heart of every paradise, the doctor said. Don't you think you're being a little cynical? The doctor smiled. Perhaps. You know, Perry, I'm rather looking forward to meeting these sisters. You stay here and keep an eye out for anything unusual. There's another thing I'm surprised you still haven't noticed about the Malgarians. What's that? They cast no shadows. Della led the doctor up a hidden, winding path towards what she referred to as Mount Serenity. It was a small hill, once the site of a meeting place in the time when the Malgarians had worshipped the gods of war. Now it was avoided by everyone, as a reminder of the days of darkness. It was here that the Sisters of Serenity had set up their abbey. They are our teachers, Della said, and her aura changed to a faint orange hue. They taught us the error of our warlike ways. Yes, yes, so you keep saying, the doctor replied tetchily. But I take it that they are native to this planet? Otherwise any incoming craft would have been shot out of the sky as soon as it was detected. Della shrugged. No one knew, she told him. All she could say was that the sisters appeared when strange new stars were first seen in the sky, and from that moment on, the days of darkness slowly waned and died. New stars, the doctor said thoughtfully, and remembered his words to Perry when they had first arrived on Malgar. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. As they carried on up the hill towards the abbey, he pointed out the grass, which seemed to be covered with silvery dust or crystals that glittered in the afternoon sun. He knelt down and rubbed the dust between his fingers. It tingled at the touch. That is everywhere, she told him. It is the most abundant mineral on our planet. It heightens our perceptions, sharpens our feelings. A thinking element, the doctor realized. It must be the crystals of everywhere in the atmosphere which make your emotions visible. It could also account for the extreme paranoia your forebears felt towards any strangers. In the right, or indeed the wrong hands, it could be a powerful weapon. 
This is what you were guarding when you brought down all those visiting spacecraft. You were afraid they were going to rob you of your planet's most valuable possession. Della didn't reply, but her aura shifted in colour slightly to a pale, reddish hue. Della, I am a Time Lord, one of a mighty race of warriors, he said darkly. What would you do if I raised an army of my fellow Time Lords to rob Malgar of its everywhere? No one would stop you, she replied simply. The doctor clicked his tongue in irritation and stood up. He indicated his shadow, which stretched out on the grass before them. Of Della's shadow, there was no sign. It is your darkness, Della said sadly, and the soft glow about her now changed to a warm and sympathetic pink. I am sorry for you, Doctor. Perhaps when we meet the sisters, they will help you to lose your darkness. They will certainly do no such thing, he said sharply. They had now reached the Abbey of Serenity, a small stone structure whose one central spire reached high into the sky, and the doctor strode through the open doorway. They found themselves in a small vestibule, empty apart from pale and aged tapestries depicting the scenes of war. No guards, remarked the doctor. Why would there be? asked Ella. Moving deeper into the abbey, the doctor wiped his brow. It was getting hotter, and he could detect a curious, acrid smell in the air. And there was something else, a dull, repetitive pounding, like the sound of a huge heartbeat. He glanced over at Della. She remained silent, but her aura, which was now rapidly flicking through a rainbow of colours, betrayed her concern. They had arrived at a set of heavy metal doors, the doctor reached out to open them when a voice behind him said calmly, Please, do not enter. He turned. A tall, slim woman, seemingly in her early thirties, was addressing them. She was clad in long, elaborately embroidered robes with a simple white headdress and a heavy jewel hung on a chain around her neck. Her stark, angular face was the colour of pale honey and she smiled pleasantly at them. And who might I have the honour of addressing? The doctor demanded to know. I am one of the Sisters of Serenity, Doctor, she said, in a voice that was silky smooth. We have been following you ever since you entered our abbey. Shadowing us, were you? The doctor asked, and he indicated the woman's own shadow on the wall behind her. She nodded in amusement and walked up to the doctor and Della, indicating the set of closed doors. Please, do not enter, she said again. I most certainly will, the doctor said, and pulled at one of the doors. Della tugged feebly at the doctor's arm, urging him to obey the sister's request. She was obviously terrified of the older woman. The doctor smiled and chucked her affectionately under the chin. Go home, he whispered softly, so that only she could hear. I'll be fine. Find Perry, tell her what has happened, and tell her there's danger here. There's a good girl. Della nodded and left. You won't harm her, he asked the woman. The sisters have never harmed anyone. Now why don't I believe that? He pulled at the doors again. Please, do not enter. There is something beyond those doors that you are particularly reluctant for me to see, he said, and angrily shrugged off the sister, who was now trying to hold him back. He pulled once more, and then stormed through the doors, which slammed immediately shut behind him. On the other side, the sister stared at the closed doors, but made no immediate attempt to follow. Instead, she smiled and chuckled softly to herself. Such 
anger, such aggression. <laughs> oh, my sister, we will feast well indeed tonight. It was all very well, the doctor telling her to look out for anything unusual, Perry decided. But Malgar was slowly turning out to be one of the dullest places she had ever visited. As pleasant and hospitable as the Malgarians were, they lacked any real individuality, and there was a strange sort of emptiness in their eyes. Having decided to go for a walk, she turned a corner to find herself in a small, quiet avenue leading down to the central square. Tall bushes lined the way on either side, and she stopped to admire the flecks of silver on their branches. Her fingers tingled. She frowned. Her senses suddenly more acute, she had the oddest feeling that she was being watched. But when she turned around, there was no one there. Even if there had been, she was in no danger, she reminded herself. None of the Malgarians would harm her. She had almost reached the square when she heard a distant rustling in the bushes. Who's there? No one replied. But out of the corner of her eye, she spotted a dwindling shadow on the ground as someone ran away. Perry made her way to the square where she found Hess and Della deep in conversation. As she approached, they looked up uncertainly. Perry noticed that their oars were now a faint ochre colour. She glanced at the ground beneath their feet. There were no shadows. Della relayed the doctor's message and Perry reacted with horror. We must save him! You've got to take me to this serenity place. Where is it? Hess shook his head. The way was secret, he reminded her, known only to a few. They had made an exception for the doctor, but neither he nor Della would take Perry there or tell her the way. He pointed at Perry's shadow on the ground. You are angry, and you carry your darkness with you, he said. You mean harm to the Sisters of Serenity. We cannot allow that to happen. The doctor is in danger, and you're just going to stand around and do nothing, Perry said angrily. We cannot stop you, but we will not help you find Serenity, Hess stated. He moved away with Della, leaving Perry alone. She looked down at her shadow. Suddenly, it was joined by three others. She spun around. Two men and a woman, all more or less Perry's age, were standing there, their oars flickering bright orange. In their eyes was a look Perry had never seen in a Mulgarian before, and she stepped back nervously as they approached. You're a stranger, the woman snarled, and Perry winced as she grabbed her roughly by the arm. Strangers are not trusted on Mulgar. You have come to plunder our planet, one of the men said. Perry struggled to free herself of the woman's grip, but it was too strong. Eventually, the dark-haired third man took the woman's hand away from Perry. Lenny and Cal, we do not go back to the old ways, he snapped, and they lowered their heads deferentially. The time of the guns of Malgar is past. You're... you're angry, realized Perry. And you have shadows. As do you, replied the man, who introduced himself as Cruz. Not all Mulgarians have fallen under the spell of the sisters. A few of us were able to resist. We are no longer as vicious as our ancestors before the coming of the sisters, but we do at least possess the will to fight back. A sudden thought occurred to Perry. Were you at those ruins yesterday? Cruz smiled thinly. We have been following you and your friend ever since your arrival. Perry considered this for a moment, then said, The doctor's in trouble, at the Abbey. Would you help me find him? Cruz nodded. We know the way to Serenity. 
they set off immediately. And on the way, Perry asked, Have you ever confronted these sisters for yourselves? To what end? Cruz asked. The sisters have turned almost all of our entire race into senseless creatures, unable to think or fight for themselves. We of the Shadow League are little more than ten. What could we do against the sisters? Yet I think your friend the Doctor may be able to help us. He is full of fire and anger. Perry grinned. Oh, if I know the Doctor, he's going to be very, very angry indeed. The Doctor found himself in a large, high-vaulted chamber, a little like the nave of a church. At the far end, on a raised dais, stood a huge tank in which something fetid bubbled and burbled. This was the source of the acrid smell he had detected upon entering the abbey. Within the stone alcoves along the walls, an array of machines and consoles had been set up. Their lights and screens twinkled in the semi-darkness. Hanging from the ceiling was a huge wheel chandelier, and light from outside streamed in through arched stained-glass windows. The air was stiflingly hot, and the heartbeat he had heard outside was much louder now, almost a physical presence which thud thudded into his body. Waiting for him was a woman, hunched and elderly. The skin of her face stretched thin and the colour of parchment. She was dressed in the same elaborate garments as the other woman, and as the doctor walked into the room, her beady eyes gleamed almost lasciviously at him. I am Mother Mercy of the Sisters of Serenity, she offered in an aged, rasping voice. And I am Sister Solace, said the younger woman, who had followed the doctor into the chamber. She splayed her bony fingers, at the end of which were long, sharp nails. The doctor tried to edge near the tank at the far end of the hall to see what it contained, but Sister Solace blocked his way. I can offer you solace from your fears and demons, she said, in a curious sing-song voice, recalling the same words Hess had used before. I take it you are responsible for the personality changes in the Mulgarians, he asked. We showed them the way of peace, Mother Mercy replied. And taught them to renounce their warlike ways, said Sister Solace. No, you're not fooling me. There's more to it than that, the doctor said angrily. And the sisters clapped their hands with glee at his outburst. He continued. Those people lack any kind of aggression at all. They're weak. Defenseless. Without aggression, a civilization will just ossify and die. Would you rather the Mulgarians return to the way they were? Viciously destroying all who come to their world? asked Mother Mercy, and in reply the doctor shook his head. Then surely we have done them a great service, Sister Solace rejoined smugly. Do you seriously expect me to believe that? Before either of the sisters could stop him, he pushed them away and raced over to the tank at the end of the hall. There, he peered over the rim to see what it contained. Floating in some sort of glutinous, amniotic slime whose stench made the doctor almost wretch was a huge, bloated, leech-like creature, oily black in colour. Masses of waving tentacles surrounded its gaping mouth, which contained hundreds of tiny, serrated teeth. When it raised what could only loosely be described as its head from out of the fluid, and saw the doctor through two heavy-lidded eyes, it spat venom at him. The heartbeat sound was louder now, and it undoubtedly belonged to the creature. But there was another sound, also coming from the thing in the tank. Something which sounded like 
hundreds upon thousands of angry voices. The doctor turned and stepped back, his face pale and sickened. There lurks the anger and aggression of the Mulgarians, Mother Mercy said. Siphoned off and stored in the Hyrudex, bred for that sole purpose. The darkness, Della called it, the doctor said aghast. You've stolen their shadows. Not quite, said Sister Solace. Stripped of all belligerence, the Mulgarians generate an aura which cancels out their shadows. Mother Mercy added, When the last of the Mulgarians succumbs to the hunger of the Harudex, all resistance will have been eliminated, and our mining ships can leave orbit and descend to the planet. Mining ships? You're here for the Everwhere, the Doctor realized. I knew there was something wrong with some of those stars I saw. They weren't twinkling like real stars. They're your ships! In the tank, the Hyrudex writhed violently in its slime, and its tentacles waved excitedly as though thriving on the Doctor's anger. You're not feeding me to that monstrosity, he said. But Sister Solace poured at him with long, grasping fingers. Oh, no, Doctor said Mother Mercy. We have other plans for you. Suddenly, a tentacle lashed out from the tank, striking the doctor on the face. Stung, he fell senseless to the floor. Mother Mercy and Sister Solace bore down on him, a lustful look in their eyes. When the doctor came to, he discovered that he was prostate on a trolley, to which the sisters had firmly secured him. Wires and tubes had been attached to his head and body. Some led to the tank containing the Harudex, others to a bank of equipment on the far wall, and two chairs where the sisters were seated. On each of their heads was a golden coronet. The doctor recoiled when he saw the greedy and almost licentious look in their eyes, and he struggled against his bonds. Mother Mercy exchanged a glance with her companion. Sister Solace flicked a switch on the side of her chair, and the great overhead chandelier creaked down until it hung over the doctor's supine form. Now we feast, sister, she said. Now we will taste the fears and darkness of a Time Lord. Sharp green beams of light stabbed down, encircling the doctor, who cried out in pain. Feel it! Feel the anger and aggression of a Time Lord! Sister Solace screeched. The coronet on her head grew incandescent as the device probed deep into the Doctor's mind, releasing all the darkness that his sixth incarnation had tried so long to suppress. Within its tank, the Hyrudex flailed about as it too soaked up the violent energies hidden in the darkest corners of the Doctor's mind continuing anger and guilt over the deaths of much-loved friends, his burning hatred towards the conquerors and slaughterers of entire worlds, shameful things he had done in the past, the memories of which still haunted him. The two sisters squirmed and shivered in their chairs, a look of rapture on their faces as they drank in the doctor's emotions. Within his mind, the doctor tried to fight back, replacing his dark thoughts with better memories, recollections of kindnesses done, of battles won bloodlessly, and of the snow-capped red mountains of Gallifrey, where he played as a child. For a moment, it seemed that he was winning. 
Yet the power of the Hyrudex and the carnal greed of the sisters was too powerful for him, and a red mist descended before his eyes. Suddenly, he was aware of his bonds being loosened, and Perry helping him stagger to his feet. He shook his head and looked around. Cruz and Cal had entered the chamber with others of their Shadow League. They moved towards the sisters, now engorged by the doctor's emotions. The women opened their eyes, and a momentary shadow of doubt flashed across their faces before they stood up and smiled ingratiatingly at the newcomers. You are welcome here, my children, Sister Solis said pleasantly. But what can the sisters do for you? You can free the people! Give them back their anger, Cruz said through gritted teeth. Sister Solis merely chuckled as if to a small child. Then she saw the gun in Cruz's hand and the anger she had never seen in a Mulgarian before. The doctor strode up to the sisters and waved Cruz's weapon aside. I think you have underestimated our Mulgarian friends, he said. Not all of them fell prey to the Harudex. Some of them still retained the anger and the will to survive. But they are few, said Mother Mercy. And the others of their species are docile and senseless, with no fight or will of their own. Soon, our ships will arrive, and they will meet no resistance. Everywhere shall be ours! The Doctor stormed past the sisters, who tried to stop him, but were restrained by Cruz and his companions. He headed towards the row of consoles along the wall, which connected to the tank. Down below the Hyrudex, now sensing danger, writhed and bellowed in anger. The Doctor started to make a series of rapid adjustments to the machine's settings. What are you doing, Doctor? Mother Mercy called as she struggled in vain to free herself from Cruz's grasp. The rhythmic heartbeat of the Hyrudex grew louder, and the babble of the thousand angry voices became increasingly shrill. I'm merely undoing what you've done, sisters, declared the Doctor, and he slammed one final lever down. I've given the people of Malgar back their shadows! In its tank, the Hyrudex screeched and twisted about in agony, as the aggression and belligerence that it had fed upon was wrenched out of its core. It was being deprived of the hate that had sustained it for so long. The Hyrudex shuddered, and shadows as black as night flew out from the tank, like a maddened colony of bats, shrieking and squealing, wheeling and gyring. They turned the chamber as black as night, before disappearing through the walls and the windows. You're a fool, Doctor! You don't know what you've done! Mother Mercy growled and finally wrested herself from Cruz. Oh, but I do, Mother Mercy! The Doctor said triumphantly. I'm giving the people of Malgar back their anger! I'm giving them the will to fight! The guns of Malgar shall fire again! Harry looked nervously at the Doctor. There was a mad gleam in his eyes, the like of which she had never seen before. Doctor, is this a good thing? She asked. You told me the Malgarians were one of the most vicious species in the galaxy. The doctor ignored her and instead drew their attention to a distant rumbling of cries and angry voices from outside the abbey. It seemed to be coming steadily closer. Do you hear that, sisters? He asked. Those are the cries of the people of Malgar, at long last coming to their senses, finally realizing what you have done to them. How do you think they'll react now? 
the fiercest race of killers in the galaxy, is coming to break down these walls and tear you apart, limb from limb. Cruz and his companions left to try and hold off the approaching mob, while the Doctor and Perry turned to face the sisters, who were cowering before them now, clearly terrified. Their hands reached for the heavy jeweled pendants which each of them wore around their neck. And then suddenly, they flashed out of existence. A teleport, realised the Doctor, slapping his forehead in irritation. That must be how they arrived here, undetected by the guns of Malgar. He led Perry to an open window and pointed up at the night sky. The strange stars he had noticed on his arrival were already becoming smaller. Running away, scared for their lives, the doctor said with a smile. And so should we be, Perry pointed out. You've given the Malgarians back their aggression. They'll be just as they were before. The doctor smiled and shook his head. Not all their aggression, Perry. Just enough for them to be able to survive and progress. Most of their belligerence and paranoia is still contained within our friend here. He indicated the tank containing the Harudex. The TARDIS will have recharged by now. I'm sure we can find some uninhabited planet and leave the Hyrudex there to sort out its anger issues. Perry sighed. And then, let's go somewhere pleasant after that. Some place where there's no paranoia, no sisters, and where people aren't afraid of their own shadows. Shadows of Serenity by Nigel Robinson was read by Nicola Bryant and is a big Finnish production.